so thankful for this opportunity to talk to you about eternity. When we talk about eternal perspective, there's just so much that helps us and blesses us. And I want to give you a heads up about next week because I believe in these last days, the Bible shows us what I would call this full court press that the enemy of our souls is going to put against us. It's happening even now. And every believer in every church needs to know how to break that full court press. And I'll take the seven churches of Revelation and let them be the inspiration of how we respond to this full court press and not just uh, make it, but break it and advance because we are never told to just try and hold the fort, try to make it until Jesus comes. We are told to advance, to make a difference, to have an influence, to have an impact. And if you look at basketball, if you can break the press, it really turns against the enemy and it creates some easy baskets. With the world at its worst, we're going to be at our best. And next week, we're going to talk about how to break Satan's full court press. It's going to be an illustrated message. You don't want to hear it. You want to hear it and invite people to be with you. With your Bibles open to the book of Revelation. In a moment, I'm going to read several verses and I want you to have it available to you. I want you to know that one out of every 30 verses is about end times. When you come to the 27 books of the New Testament, 23 of them deal specifically with end times. When I use the word end times and I talk about eternal perspective, you've got to know that my frame of reference for this is not to create fear. This is a message of hope. We are to comfort each other and encourage each other with these words. There may be some conviction in your heart today as it relates to this message, but not fear. This isn't about scaring the devil out of people. This is about reminding us that no matter what happens here, this isn't all there is. There is a heavenly home, there is a heavenly dwelling, an ultimate dwelling place for all of those who have been redeemed by the Lord. It is not a crutch, it is not some escapism kind of thought, it is the blessed hope, one of the core doctrines of the Bible, and it anchors us and sustains us, and it gives us a focus to press on, even when it's difficult, knowing there's a better time coming. And there's just no way to talk about heaven and not be passionate. I don't know when Jesus is coming. I just think it's, he's coming soon. I know every generation could say that. But I believe there are uniquenesses to our generation that have never been before that say to us, Jesus could come before this service is over. He could come before this day ends. He could come this week. Jesus is coming soon. That's good news. That's hope-filled truth from the Word of God. It's later than it's ever been. I am always reminded when I think about eternity of the little girl who had in her home the grandfather clock. And one night as it became midnight, she listened to it chime off all the way to midnight, and it just kept going. It just got stuck and kept resounding. She bolted out of her bed, ran into her parents' room, Woke up her dad. Her dad said, what's up? What's wrong? She said, dad, it's later than it's ever been. 
And what I want to remind you today is it's later than it's ever been. I don't know if he's coming today, but he could. I don't know if he's coming this year, and no man knows the day or the hour. But the signs of the times are very clear, and Bible prophecy is being fulfilled, and there are uniquenesses that tell us, get your heart ready and lift up your eyes because our faith is soon to become sight. Jesus is coming. Come on and praise the Lord for the rapture of the church. It's a message that some of you have heard all of your life. Some of you, it'll be a new message. I just want to tell you that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. That where I am, there you may be also. I'm coming back to receive you. John said in Revelation that he saw a new heaven. I want to talk to you a moment about heaven. Heaven is a real place. It is not a myth. And it is not symbolic. It is a real place. Let the word support that truth by looking at Revelation 21, verse 15. Revelation 21, verse 15. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a golden measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square, as wide as it was long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Look at how specific heaven is identified by the fact that it can be measured. It is a real place. It is not some Disney World story. It is a biblical truth that Jesus has prepared a place for us. He has also made it clear that it's a relational place. It's not only a real place, it's a relational place. Revelation 21 verse 3 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. Later we're going to look at what Paul said about heaven and the coming of the Lord where he said the dead in Christ will rise and we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them, reunion, to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. How many of you have a loved one that's already there? There's going to be a reunion because it's a relational place. My grandparents on both sides are there. You've heard me in sermons talk about my grandmother that attended the church I pastored. She raised me. When, she, when we would be taken to her house as little kids, she would take care of us. She would rock us to sleep for a nap in the afternoon. And when she held my brother, she sang like all these sweet songs. When she rocked me, she sang, The devil is a sly old fox. If I could catch him, I'd put him in a box. I'd put him in a box and throw away the key. And about that time, she starts speaking in tongues and say, God, you got to help this one. And she, she had a profound influence 
on my life. And guess what? I am going to see her again. My brother is in heaven. My mother-in-law is in heaven. We all have loved ones that are there. And we are going to have the most incredible reunion on that day. Tim, when we were in Uganda this past summer, and you took us to minister to people dying with AIDS, I'll never forget it. We went to hut after hut, little places where a single individual is just lying on a mat in a hut without electricity, dying. You can hear them ever before you get inside to see them. One of the most unusual, just unsettling experiences as you see someone in that condition we would go into the hut some of our teams we couldn't get everybody inside so the rest of the team would stand at the door and around the hut and we would begin to talk with these people and this one little lady as frail and dying it was it was a wretched sight we just ministered the love of Jesus, and we would ask the question, do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? This lady said, no. Would you like to? She said, yes. And one of our team members beautifully, powerfully shared the story of Jesus and the story of her own salvation and then said, could I lead you in the sinner's prayer? And led this lady who was dying of AIDS, and I listened as she confessed her sin and confessed the name of Jesus to be the one who could save her, who died on the cross for her, invited Jesus into her heart, and at the end of that prayer, the team members just outside of the hut just spontaneously started to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound. And it just lifted across that village of dying people. And I will never forget that. And I I. I feel like she's probably dead now. She was, she was at the door of death. But I want to tell you, on this great day called the rapture of the church, this lady who was a picture of human misery, dying and struggling for every breath in a little hot, humid, dank, dark hut, all alone, is going to be walking on streets that are paved with gold. She is going to be rid of all the limitations of this life. Because heaven is a real place, it's a relational place, and it is the right place. Here's what I mean. Look with me at Revelation 21 verse 4. Verse four. He will wipe away every tear. From their eyes. Can you say amen for that? And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. No more death or sorrow or crying or pain. No more death or sorrow or crying or pain. Maybe this year a loved one, you have had their homegoing service. Maybe there's been some sorrow in your life even this week. 
Maybe the pain has been significant and the tears have streamed down your face. Because heaven is a real place and a relational place and a right place. There is coming a day. I say it to you by the word of truth. Where God himself, hallelujah, will wipe every tear from your eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. For the former things are passed away and all things have become new. No more poverty. No more starvation. No more cancer. No more divorce. No more abuse. No more abandonment. No more sickness of any kind. No more stress. Not even that which can cause stress. Not even a minor headache. Not even an ache or pain. For we will all be in a glorified, re-engineered body. I'm going to be tall. I'm going to walk around heaven about 6'9". I'm telling you about a city where the Lamb is the light. Where people from every kindred, nation, and tongue will worship around the throne of God. God, the Lamb found worthy to be slain from the foundation of the world, seated at the right hand of the Father. To Him be glory forever and ever and ever. Amen and amen. The Bible even says the lion's going to lay down with the lamb. This lion that has aggression will lose that nature of aggression to the point that there will be such peace. It'll lay down with the lamb. No more racism. No more war. No more nation against nation. No more gang violence. No more death. No more school shootings. Never another funeral. Out in Bixby, there's a cemetery and everyone's buried with their head to the east. Just to kind of go with the scripture that he's coming and he's going to split the eastern skies. I know when I talk about heaven, there's some uniquenesses about this idea of rapture. But I want to tell you, there's uniquenesses about our entire Christian worldview. It starts with one who was born of a virgin. It doesn't get more unique than that. And we're not going to edit that out. And we're not going to try to find an angle. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. That's unique. Everybody questions it. But he did. He lived a sinless life. And on the cross, he took your place and mine. Became the perfect Sacrifice. Every Old Testament sacrifice was only sufficient for a season because it was imperfect. But on that day, the Lamb of God became the perfect sacrifice. 
the high priest himself took our place and propitiated for your sin and mine. He became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness of God. And on that cross he died and he was placed in a borrowed tomb. That was Friday. And on Sunday, he rose from the dead. He came back to life. He is the risen Savior. The one resurrected from the dead. And the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickened spiritual life to you and me. And by His stripes, we are healed And there is coming a day when we will meet Him face to face. When are we going? Every generation of church history has talked about this. When are we going? If it's later than it's ever been, how do we know? Because the Bible talks about signs of the times. Signs of His appearing. Let me give you just a few. One sign of his soon return is that people will be doing their own thing. Matthew 24 verse 37 says, When the Son of Man returns, it will be like it was in the days of Noah, in Noah's day. In those days before the flood, the people were enjoying banquets and parties and weddings right up to the time Noah entered his boat. It means they were just doing life with no interest No leading toward the things of God. No openness toward the word of God. It was just a me generation. People didn't realize what was going to happen until the flood came and swept them all away. This is the way it will be when the Son of Man comes. There's never been a more me-focused generation than our generation It's a sign of the soon return. Another sign is that people will forget God. Matthew 24 verse 12 says, Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. I want you to know that we are experiencing a revival around the world. There's a a revival happening in foreign countries that's unstoppable. We don't see it as much in this country. But don't think for a moment that God's not moving in dramatic, powerful ways. Every day in China, 35,000 people accept Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. There is a dramatic move of God. It's like a tidal wave of revival, which is a sign. But at the same time, there's a riptide of evil. And it is pulling people away and sin is right at the door and many are falling into a trap of lukewarmness, apathy and cultural Christianity and being swept away. It's a sign of the Lord's soon return. Another sign is that people will not be ready. Two men will be working together in the field. One will be taken, the other left. In today's vernacular, two will be at Buffalo Wild Wings. One will be taken. One will be left. I'm planning on going, but I'd like to eat those honey barbecue just before it happens. Two will be working at computers. One will be taken. One will be left. Two will be at school. One will be taken, and one 
will be left. We have heard this message if you've grown up in church. I heard this message to the point where I, I can remember running to an altar. I remember honestly saying, Lord, don't let your return occur before this sermon is over. Because I need to get right with you. The impact of the return of the Lord was a motivation to get my heart right with God. I don't preach this sermon to scare you. The preacher that preached it when I was a kid didn't preach it to scare me. They preached it to raise up biblical truth. And Holy Spirit conviction gripped my heart and made me want to say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life and don't come with me lukewarm. Stir up that fire in my soul. It's a real message. It's an important truth. And one of the signs is this, this deaf ear living in the Bible belt. Churches on every corner. And thinking that just by going through the motions of religion that it satisfies the issue of salvation which only comes by grace through faith where I confess my sin and put my faith in His grace, His hand of grace comes reaching down. And I just open my heart in faith, and His hand of grace lifts me out of the sin and damnation and destruction of my ways, and it sets my feet upon the solid rock, Christ Jesus. And my name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And on the day of his appearing, he will catch me up with the rest of his bride to dwell in his house forever. That is the gospel truth of the end times. How are we going? How does it happen? It happens through what we call the rapture. The catching away of God's church. Paul wrote it like this, 1 Thessalonians 4 verse 16. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First, the Christians who have died will rise from their graves. Then, together with them. Say that phrase with me. Together with them. That's the reunion. That's where the reunion starts. It certainly doesn't end there. But the reunion starts right there. Together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up. Those two words mean rapture. In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then... We will be with the Lord forever in a real, relational, right place called heaven. So, encourage each other with these words. Sin doesn't get the last word. And sickness doesn't get the last word. Pain doesn't get the last word. Frustration doesn't get the last word. 
all of the challenges of this life will give way. Weeping endures for the night, but joy comes in the morning. Jesus is coming. And that's the good news to the redeemed. I want to be ready. I want to be poised. I want to be watching. And I want to be working. I don't want to hear this and say, okay, let's find a way to just maintain. No, in the last days, we're going to call a church meeting. And say, let's expand this campus. Let's do more in other countries. Let's send more teams to the mission field than ever before. Let's reach across this community and world with greater passion. Jesus is coming. And what we do, we need to do it with passion. We need to do it quickly. One of the struggles that I had, I love the call of God. I love the, the ministry, I, I love being in the kingdom business, but one of the struggles is how slow things can move at times. Things can move slow in the local church. And at times I'm like, I want to tell you, in the last days, there needs to be a, a rapid pace. A passionate focus. A highly motivated church that wants to make a difference in this world. So let me challenge you today, church. Let's be ready by refocusing our energies. It's easy to get tricked and caught up in things that don't matter. Things that don't matter aren't sin. And they're fine until being so caught up in what doesn't matter causes you to lose focus and priority of what does matter. Refocus your energies. I say that to me, I say it to all of us. If what I'm saying is true, then how should it adjust the energy of my life and the priorities of my life? If I knew Jesus was coming a week from today, I knew it. That at noon next Sunday, Jesus would return. How would I refocus my energy between now and then? What I'm saying is, live like he's coming back. Let the fact that Jesus is coming be part of the grid by which you make decisions. When you live like he's coming back, It'll help you to know where to invest your money, your time, your energy. Let me say it with all of my heart. Don't shortchange heaven for something on earth. One of the struggles we have in America is that we're so abundantly blessed. We can go weeks without thinking about heaven because it's rather comfortable here. One reason we don't have the songs about heaven like we used to is because times aren't as hard as they used to be. There were times they needed to sing with all of their heart. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. But in the blessings of the Lord, it's easy to get comfortable and lose that desire 
because things are so well here and we're stimulated by earth. But earth is not our home. We're just here for a season. James says life is like a vapor. We're just passing through. We're on our way to a place called home. And it's easy to lose that focus. And even in preparing for this message, conviction has gripped my heart. And I need to live like he's coming back. He's coming back. That gets me excited to see him. And it gets me motivated to reach those who don't know him that need to know him. He gets me motivated to keep us as a church focused. Of my many responsibilities as your pastor, probably the greatest, is to try to lead you in such a way that that day that you see him is the best day of your life. I mean the best day. Can you imagine standing before him? No regrets. I lived the life you saved me to live. No regrets. Oh, church, let the Spirit of God stir your heart today to refocus your energies. We've got a great building and comfortable seats and a great budget and great ministries, but it's all so that we can be a blazing light of gospel witness to a community and a world that needs to be ready for His return. That's the reason we're here. Let's renew our heart for God. Renew your relationship with God. Repent of lukewarmness. Ask God to give you increased passion. If there's tension in your heart because you've never asked Him to come into your heart. And even though this message is unique and you're trying to reconcile how like suddenly a day comes and so many Christians are gone. And there will be people left behind and how all that really happens. And the natural mind can't really wrap itself around all of those, those details. Yet in your heart, this message resonates because God put eternity in your heart. That's what the Bible says. He's put eternity in your heart. And you can try to push this message aside. You can try to live like there's no hereafter. You can try to live... Like heaven is a myth. But what will keep bringing you back to a sensitivity to this is because God himself has put eternity in your heart. Settle the tension today. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive my sin. Allow me to know the power of your grace and be born again. Have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life. This past week, I went to Dallas. When I got to my hotel, I walked in, and you know the routine. I gave my name, and the person says, yes, you have a reservation. There's a book, Revelation says. It's called the Book of Life. It's a registry. It has every name in it of those who have gotten saved. If you're not saved, your name's not in the book, and you don't go to heaven. I plead with you today to accept Jesus as your Savior so that you don't miss the joy of heaven, so that you do miss the horror of hell, so that you don't miss the blessing on, on this side of heaven of having Jesus as that faithful 
empowering, ever-living presence in your life. There is all of the reasons in the world to accept Him. There is no reason to reject Him. There's every benefit imaginable and without description. If you accept Him, there's separation in eternity in the lake of fire. If you don't, be ready for His return. Open your heart to Jesus. Let the tension be settled today by confessing Him as your Savior. If you know Jesus as your Savior, but you need that eternal perspective to be renewed because you've been struggling. You're going through a hard time. It's been a deep and a long, low valley. I just want to remind you that today, the Holy Spirit is here to remind you of your blessed hope. To remind you, as He's done the saints throughout the ages, that there's a day coming and nothing can stop it. Where the Lord will return and He's going to wipe every tear from your eyes. And the battles will be over and you're going to lay your weapons down. And there won't be another fight. There won't be another day of difficulty. There won't be another moment of pain. There won't be another moment of sorrow. I just encourage you today to know that there is a time coming. And all through the Old and New Testament, it is echoed time and time again that there's a better time coming. When they thought it was, would, would never change God came through and provided a way where at times there seemed to be no way to say there's always a better time coming in the Lord. I want to tell you no matter how difficult it may be for you, how broken your heart may be, how difficult it may be, there is coming a day where the sorrow will give way to the pure, powerful presence of Jesus, the manifest presence of Jesus Jesus said, in this world, you're going to have some trouble. But be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. I talk about Kelly's grandmother, one of the greatest Christians I know. Her body's more frail now than we've ever seen. But her spirit is stronger than ever before. Paul said, though the outward man is perishing, the inward man is renewed day by day. She's living with a focus on the soon return of Jesus. She loves him and loves him more every day. She's convinced he is coming again and she is ready to meet him. And even in spite of all of human frailties, she has a triumphant victory because she's the redeemed of the Lord. And she shouts through her pain. When we sang those opening songs, if Grandma Oots would have been here, Y'all would have seen what we used to say. You would have seen some shouting. Because she would have just had to say, excuse me, but, but I know what we're singing about today. I, I put everything I have into this message. Everything I am is invested in this message. And he's my soon coming king. Hallelujah. 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 Your redemption is drawing nigh. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Jesus is coming. He's coming. And he's coming soon. And every eye will see him. Hallelujah. Repent of lukewarmness. 
refocus the energy of your life. Renew your heart for God. Let's live for the coming of Jesus. Let's be passionate for Jesus. Let's invest in the kingdom. If you've quit serving, you're just sitting back. What are you doing? Get in the game. Be found working in the vineyard when the master comes. Redouble your efforts. Refire. Refuel. Retirement. Where is that in the Bible? I ain't talking about doing what you've always done. But this idea of just, I'm going to sedimentate. Are you kidding me? We need to get on our toes and get the fight back in us and say, God, giving us breath, we're going to be found doing everything we can with all of our heart, with all of our might, and with all of our strength. Hallelujah. Jesus is. Holy Spirit, grip our hearts today. Lead us, Lord, to a right spirit, an appropriate passion, surrender and dedication and commitment to not be caught up in things that don't matter. In Jesus' mighty name.